What's up? Season one wrap up bonus episode. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. <laughs> what? You want me to say it? Yeah, we'll do the standard intro. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tony. And this is Making It in Asheville. A podcast where the two of us typically sit down with an Asheville local, ask them what they are making and how they are making it in Asheville. And in today's episode, we are not interviewing anybody. Instead, we are uh, wrapping up this season with an overview of the most recommended places, Asheville places, on our podcast. And so every episode when we are interviewing people, we do a very not fast speed round of questions. Those questions typically include, all right, let's say you had friends coming to town. What types of things would be like required? What would you do with your friends? The response is almost always, well, it depends on the friend. And we get that. But these, this, <laughs> this list uh, is based on those responses and so uh, we've broken the responses into four main categories because that's generally how they came in one is food two is beverages beers cocktails and more uh, three is going to be nature outdoorsy things and then number four is specialty and events anything else you would like to set the stage with before we dive into these reviews. Yes, what I will say is that we have done a pretty thorough tally of everybody's responses. So we literally took um, everyone's responses to the question, put it into an Excel file, and tallied up the ones that had the most responses so that we could see you know, which places were being recommended the most. Let's, I guess, dive into the first section, food. My favorite part. Yes. <laughs> Asheville has some great food. So uh, the number one place that was recommended dun, 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 was Bull and Beggar. Okay. It was it was the place that was recommended. Most of all most places. Most of all places. Yes. So congratulations, Bull and Beggar. Bull and Beggar, for sure. And I think it's worthy of the recommendation. It's got like all of the... Things that you would want as if you were going to build your own kind of like restaurant. It's got the beautiful interior. It's in a cool location. Um, it's got interesting like tell people about food choices and a beautiful bar. It checks almost all the boxes that you could want as a as a restaurant. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the reasons why we love visiting Bull and Beggar is their burger night, which yes. is every Monday night they offer, I think it's a $10 burger and fries. I can't remember the exact price, but it's like it's like an insane deal for a bull and beggar. Yeah. Um, their, their regular menu is amazing and incredible, and they do some really, really fun stuff, um, but it does tend to be a little bit pricier. Mm -hmm. uh, but their burger is really really good so that's our insider take on bull and beggar the a couple of our interview guests swear by its seafood tower and yes. its seafood selection we have not gone down that road yet i think we had a like maybe an octopus 
appetizer once, which was fantastic, but we have not gone the full seafood tower road um, because it sits on the opposite end of the cost spectrum from burger night. Yes, exactly. And another thing I'll say as a tip for visiting is definitely make a reservation. Uh, we tried to go to Burger Night uh, one night, and we just sort of like walked in around 8 o'clock on a Monday night thinking, oh, we'll be fine. You know, there's not going to be that many people, and uh, we couldn't get a table. So, yeah, reserve yeah. ahead of time. Yep, easy to do. Cool. And number two on the list. My, if uh, memory serves, I think it is Cucina 24. Ooh. This is one of my personal favorites. I was so excited <laughs> to find that there was a really authentic Italian restaurant in Nashville. True. Yeah, she, um, if there's a single thing to know about Sarah, you can go back to episode one when she laid down what I consider one of the most profound statements of the entire season so far is, I like Italy, I like food, I like Italian food. I think that was the exact quote from you episode one. You made me one. sound like a simpleton. <laughs> Babe, it's a direct quote, but in episode it's one, <laughs> when we did our intros, like that, those are the those are key things to know about Sarah. And so, when Cucina Twenty Four first came on our radar, it you know instantly bumped its way to the top of our list of places to go and uh, places to try. And I do think it's lived up to the hype. Yeah. So um, I think Brian Canapelli is the chef there. He's from Atlanta, but he travels all around Italy, um, kind of researching food and getting inspired by these these dishes in these small little towns. Um, I love this place for probably a couple of different reasons. One is their fresh pasta. They, they make all of their pasta there in-house as far as I know. Um, you can actually see them making it in the back. It's really, really awesome. Um, and we've also seen that they do pizza, which we haven't tried yet, mm. but we've heard all but good things. And just by judging by the look of it, uh, it definitely looks like authentic Neapolitan style pizza. And I like it because all things considered for b the quality that it is, you can get in and out without really, really breaking the bank because it when people talk about it, they consider it one of the fine dining places in Asheville. And I don't think it's, while it's not cheap, it's not priced prohibitively. And they also have uh, a really fun kind of tasting menu, which yes. sometimes tasting menus are like a freaking scam and they cost a lot of money and like the servings are kind of small and you're like, why did I do that? I should have just ordered the entree. And I think this serving, the the, you know, the, the tasting menu actually is a great value yeah. and get, puts a lot of food on your plate. Volume is one of my biggest uh, factors when I think about food. Sarah's is taste and like quality. Mine's volume, and I think that they do uh, a really good job in that way as well. Yeah, if memory serves, I think you in, in the tasting menu you get like five or six appetizers to share, and then a like two pre-me dishes, so like a pasta or risotto or something. And then your choice of uh, meat or main course, and then dessert as well. Like it's insane, and yeah. and it's it's like under sixty dollars or something like that for the tasting menu. It's really really good. Ahead. Yeah, ahead yes, exactly. Ahead. And um, yeah, I think the only way that you really kind of start getting into uh, a pricey dinner is if you're adding cocktails and bottles of wine, and that's 
all the time. It's always going to make right. dinner more expensive. Yeah. I think the food itself is priced um, really fair. I like, we're corny, we, we really like sitting facing the kitchen. And they have like this whole kind of bar section mm-hmm. that looks into the kitchen. You can hang out with uh, the staff and the chefs if you're into that. Otherwise, there's, you know, cute little two tops and four tops yeah. all throughout the restaurant. Yeah. And another thing I love about this restaurant, and then I will shut up and we will move on. But right now, um, the chef is doing monthly themes for the menu. So he's he's basing the theme on a specific region in Italy, which I think, like, I'm so nerdy about Italy that I think this is so cool. Um, so I think when we went in last, it was all based on uh, Puglia. And I think this month is Sicily. So that is cool. Yeah. I'm into it as a business concept because it gives us a reason to go back monthly where, um, you know, the, the standard Italian, like we had this pizzeria where I grew up that we would go probably monthly, but you knew that it was going to be like ziti pies and freaking uh, chicken parm. Like nothing was changing about that. And what are ziti pies, Tony? Ziti, (laughs) like baked (laughs) ziti. I don't know. I imagine it. You know, pasta on a pizza was like one of their signature things. It was just giant baked ziti pie. Uh, So like penny. Anyway, but like the menu never changed. It was just because we were, you know, kids and it was nearby. We would go every once in a while. Um, But there was no reason really to go other than it was kind of affordable and it was carbs. So it made kids happy. Um, Now as grownups in a city or a town where there's a ton of really good food, I think it's a really compelling reason to go back monthly and see what's new. For sure. For sure. Okay. So moving on to the next spot, uh, which is Taqueria Munez. This is probably my favorite um, of the three because um, it is so stinking good. We have not been to the main location, which I think is on Patton in West Mm -hmm. Asheville, like kind of way out. Um, but when we go to Taqueria Munoz, it's the food truck at Zillacoa. Mm-hmm. And I think that these tacos are knock your socks off quality and size and priced right. And when we're talking about price right, it's like Sarah and I eat until we're very content for like $9. And yeah. it's, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. But um, absolutely love it. It's super authentic. And I think... Th- tip for visiting is to be adventurous try a bunch of different tacos when you first go because you there's so many delicious options case in point Mm -hmm. our two my two favorite are not the carne asada it's not the whatever else uh it is lingua and beef cheek right so it's the beef cheek and the beef tongue are the two best tacos in my opinion Mm -hmm. By a long shot, I think that they're flavored incredibly well. But if you're not willing to even test that, test what I'm saying is true, then I think you're going to be missing out on a lot of quality at Taqueria Munoz. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and a friend of ours also recommended asking for the mushroom taco, uh, Phoebe from episode... 13? 13? I don't remember. Um, she recommended that as a nice vegetarian option. I don't know if it's on the menu, so you might just have to ask them. Um, our our kind of thing when we go there is like, what's good? Like, what do you what do you recommend? And they usually, you know, 
give us something yeah. delicious. Well, they say every, everything's good. And it's true. Everything is good. Uh, of all of the ways that we've tried it, from uh, from Taqueria Munoz's food truck at Zillicoa, uh, the best, though, is uh, tacos. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, cool. We cannot, I mean, while I was short, cannot recommend that enough. It makes the Zillicoa outdoor experience and we're about to transition into beverages, probably my favorite thing to do in Asheville because of that one-two punch. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so that was number three. Do we have any honorable mentions or anything else that we're going to add in food? I will say that Whole Donuts mm. has been recommended um, quite a few times, both by our podcast guests and non-podcast guests. Um, Whole is the, the delicious donut place that's like on your way into West Asheville. Or on your way back into downtown, depending on which way you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we have not been there yet, but we are dying to go. We have yeah. heard nothing but like these are the best donuts you will ever have. Um, so we're very excited. Yeah. For sure. Cool. So moving on to drinks. Yes. Um, these are the best breweries and bars, cocktails, etc. Um, that our guests have recommended. Yeah. Perfect. So number one on the list is burial beer. Boom. Could not agree more with this. I, I know that I just said Zillicoa and Tigeria Munoz, <coughs> excuse me, are my favorite place, but burial beer is my favorite beer right now. And I know that that could be fighting words for certain people who have certain preferences, but I really, really, really right now am enjoying what Burial is doing with beer. I do not pretend to be a beer expert. I have a very specific palate at this point where it's either got to be like lager pilsner, super easy to drink, or it's got to be malty and like amber and or dark beer. That said... Um, Burial is like gets a 10 out of 10 for me on both of those extremes. I love the, the space itself. It's got the backyard. It's got the like picnic tables. It's got the murals of, uh, you know, Tom Selleck. It's just sick. Yeah. It's that's probably one of our favorite downtown breweries. Um, and in particular, I think I always love that they're making something different. Like I feel like every time we go, there's mm -hmm. a lot of changes on the menu. And then secondly, I would add is that the last time we went, we ordered some food. Yes. And one of their dishes was pretzel knots with beer cheese. Yeah, like a, a Minnesota or something beer cheese. Maybe like Wisconsin. Wisconsin, that's it. <laughs> Other state. <laughs> no, um, mid, 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 Wisconsin mid. beer cheese. Yeah. That sauce, like I could have just... Like swam drink it. it yeah, yeah. it's just like Definitely. put a shot back <laughs> it was so good it was really really good yeah the the whole kind of thing and i think without trying to overstep my knowledge i do think brian Canapelli is connected to the food truck at burial yeah. yeah so that might make some sense why she uh the palate knows whether or not we know sarah's palate knows but yeah the beer is fantastic and like most great breweries in Asheville. Uh, the beers are rotating, so there is constantly reason to go back, try new things. But in terms of location, being right in the heart of downtown, especially in that kind of like South Slope, um, you know, Buxton Hall neighborhood where a ton of cool stuff is happening, that is pretty much our go-to spot for meeting people in town. 
um, and probably the first brewery we would take friends to if they were in town for a very short amount of time. Yeah, for sure. Because you're so close to everything else. Yeah. Number two on our brewery list is the pretty much the exact same story, but opposite, meaning (laughs) absolutely, absolutely love it, Uh, love the space, would also bring friends there uh, if they had a short amount of time, but it is not close to anything else except for pretty much, you know, the French Broad River. Yeah. And that is Zillicoa Brewery. Yeah, we talked about it before in conjunction with Taqueria Munez, um, but Munoz. <laughs> but Zillicoa is awesome both for the atmosphere. There's like just kind of this lush green yard out back. You're right on the river, so you can sit and just sort of watch people float by on the river or watch the river go by. And then it's just super chilled and like mm. laid back. Yeah. It's so much space. It's uh, it's got these picnic tables that are underneath. It sort of looks like an airplane hangar. It's this giant kind of factory vibe, yeah. um, huge ceilings in this outdoor kind of uh, concrete with uh, picnic tables that has a barn type ceiling that's super high as well. So you're just, there's so much space. Yeah. And there's this one little bar, uh, you got two or three people pouring beers. They can tell you anything you need to know about the beers music's always good and they got the best tacos in town hanging around uh on the back side of the the yeah. property yeah. this place is absolutely our favorite for like hey you want to go just put a couple hours into a brewery and hang out and just sit and talk and um yeah. we bring we bring like picnic blankets yeah i was gonna say like a tip for visiting is like definitely bring you know, some chairs or blankets because you can go and sit out on the back. They do have chairs out there, mm-hmm. but sometimes they're filled up. So bringing your own just sort of um, makes you a little easier for you. Yeah. And BYO also frisbee, yes. football, baseball, any kind of ball. Um, I think that, that the space just lends itself to treating it a little bit like it's your backyard. Yeah, I mean, there it's actually very kid-friendly, mm-hmm. I will say, and also dog-friendly, although they don't allow dogs actually, like, in under, inside the brewery part. There's tons of spaces out there, and don't, if you bring a dog... Yeah, don't say you heard it from us, but you can, like, rent dogs to kind of cut the line and go to the dog-only uh, beer-ordering station, Uh just saying, if you do get caught, don't say you heard it on making it in Asheville. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's like a side door to order if you have a dog because your dogs aren't allowed in. Right. And, we, and we've seen some people, uh, not us, but we've seen some people pull uh, a maneuver to order faster. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, savvy. Yeah, yeah. And I've also seen, I think, on, on through Asheville today, maybe it was, um, that there is this cat that is like famous for hanging out there. I think yeah. it's like this little orange tabby. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? I don't know, but I've, I've actually seen it with somebody. It was about to. Yeah. How interesting. So you can go see the cool cat. Yeah. Hangs out at Zillicoa. Other thing about Zillicoa, and this is in my mind, the last thing about Zillicoa is that they do, um, a little baby farmer's market thing yes. either every Friday or some Fridays. Well, if there's a cadence that is important, mm-hmm. it'll be in the show notes, but, um, Last time we had friends in town, we went to Zillicoa because obviously, and then it happened to be the farmer's market day. And that was, it was really cute. Yeah. And there was like, uh, there was some guy selling fresh pasta. There were fresh veggies, like soaps, 
that kind of stuff. There's botanicals the of yeah. some sorts. There was a vintage yeah. uh, little truck. It was all, it was exactly what you would hope it would mm-hmm. be. It was cute. There were tons of kids. Every time we go, there's like a very young family friendly. Um, Dilacoa and Burial get two thumbs up from me. Both of them you can't miss. Yeah, for sure. So we have a few more on our list mm-hmm. for drinks. Um, the other one is Zebulon, which mm. is a brewery out in Weaverville, and we have not been there yet, but it comes highly recommended by um, several of our podcast guests, mm-hmm. uh, and we hope to make it out there. Certainly, and the couple reasons why this is sits high on my mental list of things to do, um, and one of the reasons why I think it, it is, though we haven't been, is worth talking about, is because... They do a couple things that seem very weird. Like I don't, ex- I don't think they're open every day of the week. I don't think they're open five days of the week. I think it's like a couple days a week, maybe, and it's open for like odd hours. And it's created a, a very interesting um, story, right? It's like yeah. baked into this brand is the idea that it's quirky, and if you want to go, you have to be in line. And there's something to be said about that. Like it is. I think back to New York and the idea of like the cronut and, you know, like that you can only get it in one spot and people have to wait and there's a line. And so sometimes you can seed a little uh, mystery and excitement about your product by the way that you do things. And if you do things uh, weird enough and your quality is good enough, people will talk about it. And so though we haven't been, they are doing a lot of stuff uh, well or right, apparently, because it's come up a lot in town. Yeah, yeah, can't wait to go. Cool. Cool. Um, then I'll just go ahead and say the other brewery, which is Sierra Nevada. Mm. Um, this is another one that we haven't been to, but again, it comes highly recommended by many people. Um, we've had people say to us, it's a great place to stop on your way back from a hike with your dog because they can just kind of relax outside at the brewery. Yeah. Um, don't really feel like we need to do much hyping for Sierra Nevada. Mm. It's a big enough deal in town, but it's near the airport. It's near the airport. It uh, it is on our list of places to go. It comes very highly recommended. No one so far has said, ask, skip it. So for, for what it's worth, um, even the, the big guys in town seem to be doing it right. So we're looking forward to actually seeing it and giving you a, uh, more formal review in the future. Um, the, the two things that I would say that we uh, also heard a lot about and we aren't going in as much detail are like cocktail bars in town. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of really interesting things happening right now. I think that, you know, beer is a known and then cocktails are uh, experiencing some version or another of like a renaissance. There's a lot of excitement amongst cocktail bartenders and people in town for like what's happening in not beer so in both wine and in cocktails the cocktail place that came up most frequently for us is also a really good food place and that's sovereign remedies Um, and so we went to sovereign remedies during uh, negroni week had fantastic takes on negroni they also have a really kick-ass burger Um, oh my gosh oh my gosh that's so good. <laughs> and, uh, and like generally their their food is, um, will get two thumbs really up from us. And so um, though it was communicated as like a place to go for cocktails and dinner, um, we just want to catch Sovereign Remedies in this yeah. list. 
And I also, someone recommended to me on Instagram the other day, um, Sovereign Remedies for a coffee place. Because yeah, they're so now open in the morning and doing breakfast. Week. I think they're serving pastries from Owl Bakery, yep. which is another well-known place in town. Um, so I would say great for cocktails, but also give it a try during the day. Sure. Yeah. This is breaking news. So you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> really but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah okay so then i think that uh we can go deeper into cocktails but that they did not get as many uh shouts out as our breweries and so we will go by the by the number and by the letter this this episode yes cool. exactly so then moving on our next category was nature and outdoors things yeah so places that come up uh, one is Black Blossom Knob. Mm-hmm. And number two is Graveyard Fields. Uh, and then built into that category is uh, the catch-all that a couple people said, which is anywhere in Pisgah Forest. Guess where the first two are, Pisgah Forest. So uh, our no- are almost standalone in the nature things, which isn't true because there are a lot of great recommendations. They just happen to be one-off. Because everyone has their own speed and their own flavor and their own interest as like outdoors things go, but Pisca Forest. And so for us, we have a couple pointers, bits of advice, thoughts that um, you might be interested in hearing. One is that uh, whenever you go to Pisca, if you can, try and exit through that like main exit and stop at the hub because boy golly, I love the hub. It's loaded with all sorts of outdoors equipment, like, you know, mountain bike supplies, which don't mean as much as like the camping things. I love looking at stuff and wanting to buy stuff. And then it's got a brewery built right in, food truck, coffee truck. Um, I think the hub is like, I don't know, it, it's a dream of what a outdoor supply brewery place could be built into one of the coolest forests in town yeah and i also felt like the first time we went on a hike i think it was at like looking glass um mm-hmm. in the pisco forest we you know came out from the hike and then we were driving out and i think we were like really thirsty and really hungry and we come out of the forest and it's like this beam of shining light like there's this beautiful building right there at the end of the forest waiting for you like paradise seriously that's a really true statement yeah we were like where are we gonna go like a lot of people said that you know looking glass is gonna be cool we didn't get we should have asked for where should we go after it was it was like you know it was a mirage it was like it was like you couldn't <laughs> trust like it little hikers you know, it's, right it's literally the second you break out of the national forest it's there yeah like, you don't even make a left or a right yet. It's on the road out of the National Forest. And so yeah. uh, the hub gets our, uh, I guess, our thumbs up as a place to go um, when you go to Pisgah. Uh, the other thing is um, we did two, we've done two main hikes, the ones that come up a lot. The one that you heard was Black Balsam Knob. The other that you just heard from Sarah was um, the Looking Glass Hike. Right, so looking glass walls and the looking glass hike. Uh, a couple caveats on hiking in Asheville that we've learned so far is A, um, when people give you advice, ask them what the, more than like the terrain, 
what the exposure is going to look like because those two hikes are so wildly different. People had told us to do both. And so when we went to uh, the Looking Glass hike, it was, you know, tree coverage the whole way. You're doing cut uh, switchbacks and all of a sudden you happen upon this beautiful overlook and it's gorgeous and it's amazing. But you're in, you know, tree coverage. You're not getting direct sun. And then you do black balsam knob and there's not a tree in sight for the miles that you're doing the hike. And, you know, we got scorched. <laughs> and that's maybe a mistake on our part, but nowhere did we read uh, about the differences in exposure. And so just bring, in our opinion, or my opinion, bring sunblock, uh, a windbreaker, and maybe long pants, no matter where you're going. Yeah, I would I'd definitely say black balsam knob, bring sunscreen, and wear long pants, because it, it's like you're walking through bushes, but then there's nothing above you. So your your legs will get scratched, but you're also going to get sunburned from, you know, having no coverage up there. Um, Black Balsam is really cool, though, because it's a short hike. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 15, 20 minutes to get to the top. And you have a 360-degree view of the mountains, um, which is pretty rare to find near Asheville. Mm-hmm. Looking Glass is cool because it's like a good hike like a long hike probably three yeah two or three hours up and down um and then when you get up there you're like sitting on the side of a rock just overlooking you know greenery um so two very different hikes but yeah awesome like very different stages in you know lord of the rings one is you know you're on these rolling hills black balsam knob rolling hills you can see left and right for a very long time you're pretty much on a ridge line and then in uh you know, looking glass, it's, you're in a forest cool, and you're just walking around. Trees. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So other hikes that were on there, uh, graveyard fields, I think we mentioned before, which we haven't been to yet, but that also comes, um, very highly recommended for places to bring friends when they're visiting. And then the third one is craggy gardens, which is less of a hike. We know that there is, um, you know, a, a small trail there more for the view and, uh, what I would say we love about that is that you can drive up there. Um, it's probably like a 20-minute drive from Asheville, um, and you've instantly got, like, the most amazing view ever. Mm-hmm. Tip for visiting is check the weather. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it's we really once, hard to know. It's but really yeah. hard to know, but we once drove up there, and it was beautiful on the bottom part of the mountain, but it had just rained. So there was, you know, a few clouds passing and then we got all the way up there and we were literally in a cloud couldn't see it but like five or yeah. six feet in front of us and it was it was fun in its own way because it was so not what we were selling we brought friends uh it was so not what we were selling in terms of you you couldn't see anything and so it was like ironically a awesome experience uh the notes for craggy garden is that it's going to be substantially different temperature up there like every time we've gone, it's been 80 down here and, I don't know, low 60s or maybe even 50s up there. It's co- It gets cold up there. Yeah, so I'd definitely bring um, a jacket or a blanket because it does, the temperature does change for sure. Yeah, cool. Cool. So those are all the hiking things. Uh, moving on to our last category, which is like entertainment and fun things to do in Asheville that are not hiking. Yeah, and uh, honestly, a little surprised here because, you know, we we moved to Asheville from New York, and if you were to ask a New Yorker, hey, what things should I do, 
uh, I can all but guarantee there would be two things that wouldn't be on your list of stuff to do. One is don't go to the Empire State Building. The other is like you don't need to go see the Statue of Liberty. Those two things, though, are what everyone thinks that they need to do when they go to New York. In Asheville, I would equate those two things with visit the Biltmore and go to the Grove Park Inn. And wouldn't you know it, our guests say go to both of those places and gosh darn it, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the Biltmore is an, a pretty obvious one. It's to, you know the number one tourist attraction in Asheville. It's probably, arguably, what has made Asheville, you know, on the, put it on the map. Um, but we, we do love the Biltmore. We have visited once when we were, you know, back in the days when we were just visiting Asheville. Um, we think it's great. We've heard our guests have said, a get a visitor pass. And annual pass. Annual pass. An annual, yeah, exactly. Sorry, an annual pass. Mm-hmm. So you can go as many times as you want in a year. Um, this is great if you think you're going to be, you know, bringing people are going to be coming in to visit the Biltmore with you and, you know, you don't have to pay $70 every time. Um, and another thing people have said is go and have a picnic there, which we haven't done, but sounds lovely. Yeah. And uh, the plus to the picnic thing is that when you go after 5 p.m., it's you can bring guests for free for the picnic? Didn't we just hear that from Andrew? Maybe, yeah. We'll have to confirm that. We'll, but Yeah, we'll confirm. But it's definitely those two things, is that if you're in town, uh, we've heard a lot of people now actually support getting the annual membership, annual pass, especially if you're creative or artistic or take pictures at all. Um, the second thing was... Uh, you know, the reason why that's important almost always is because you get to bring people either at a steep discount or for free. Um, and so we loved it. <laughs> loved, loved, loved the Biltmore. And there's just clearly so much more to explore that I think, um, if not by the end of this year, but definitely for next year, I, I, I suspect will be annual subscription membership visitor pass holders. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Cool. The second one is La Zoom. 10 out of 10. Love it. Love it. So we have done uh, the bus tour, which is, you know, what they're known for. You probably, if you've visited Asheville, you've seen like that purple uh, bus going around town. Everybody knows it. Seen it. It's wacky. It's crazy. Um, But we've also done their comedy shows, Mm -hmm. stand-up comedy shows, which we love. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I can't say it enough how much I truly, truly love La Zoom. And I think that, um, I think everyone does. Like, it's it's surprising, you know, again, like, it's it came as a surprise to us yeah. how often locals said, oh, you got to do La Zoom. We're like, come, come on. You know, like, cause it looks like the double decker bus in red and in, in uh, New York that yeah. like red one, they'll hop on, hop off, or whatever it is, which is like, you know, I get it, people do it, but it's such a touristy thing to do, yeah. right? And and that's kind of frowned upon by locals in yeah. New York, but in Asheville, it's the opposite. Like La Zoom is, it is cheesy, but it is so much fun. You learn so much on that bus tour. It's very educational. And it's hilarious. And I think what sold me was actually our episode with Melissa Gray, who finally gave a little context about the tour. And so what I'll say to to you, listener, 
if you've been on the fence or haven't done this yet, is that it's not your fastball down the middle bus tour. It is a comedy tour of Asheville. And what that ends up looking like is a little bit of improv from the you know the host or whoever the person bus tour leader is um, and then some actual sketches that are improvisational in their own way um, that are set up throughout the tour and so you know look left and there's this crazy thing happening uh, and it's part of the show it's part of the tour and it is you know really funny we had again our friends who Mm -hmm. went up to craggy and didn't see anything uh, came to town and they said that they one of their favorite things was the La Zoom comedy tour. We were we were rolling and you get to drink a couple beers, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, I was gonna say like so tip for for visiting Ooh. La Zoom, if you're doing the bus tour, you can you can buy beer at La Zoom uh, comedy room and then bring it on the bus and then they also stop I think halfway through the tour at a brewery so you can, you know, get another beer there, bring it back on the bus. It's it's fantastic. And if you're going to a comedy show, uh, our cheat code, as given to us by, you know, the fine folks that were, you know, selling the tickets at the door that checked us in, um, is actually go across the street to uh, ta- Taqueria. Mamacitas. Mamacitas, right? So it connected to Taco Temple. Go to Mamacitas, get a burrito, get whatever you're into. I like the burrito, Sarah. I think burrito as well. Well, we do the burritos when we go there. Get a burrito, bring it with you back to La Zoom Room, grab your beer at La Zoom Room, and uh, they'll save you a table. And so you can eat at La Zoom Room, and I think that the Mamacita's La Zoom Room one-two punch is a knockout. Yeah, yeah, dinner dinner and a show dinner right there. Show. It's a great date night thing for sure. Great date night. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's uh, two thumbs up as well. Okay, so the last thing on our list of things to do is the Grove Park Inn. So in our, nestled into our backyard, we live in uh, like the little Charlotte Street area, is uh, one of the shining jewels of Asheville, and that is the Grove Park Inn, a mammoth like and luxurious hotel, resort, spa, golf course thing just north of downtown Asheville. Yeah, it's like second to the Biltmore. This is kind of like one of the things that I think Asheville is known for um, is this, you know, luxury hotel. But the cool thing about the Grove Park Inn Mm -hmm. is the view. They They are right on top of basically a mountain and it overlooks you know, the the mountains of Asheville and the city below, which is really, really cool. So they have a restaurant, they have a spa, they have all sorts of things. Um, what people have recommended to us is go up there for a cocktail mm-hmm. at sunset. Um, they say, you know, the food is good, but yeah. is it worth, you know, however You're, much it costs? Yeah. Go for a cocktail, enjoy the sunset, you'll be super happy. Yeah, you're paying for the resort and the view, mm-hmm. no matter how you go. And the value on just the cocktail and sunset uh, is higher than the food. Yes. And a cocktail and sunset. Yeah. Um, and something else um, I think that Gilly from episode four recommended was go and get like the cheapest thing on their spa package because you can have access to the rest of the spa for the entire day. So if you get like a facial or something, 
you know, you could go and, and sit in the sauna and pool for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts on the uh, Grove Park Inn is that they have golf. Uh, and while it sounded hyperbolic, they say that off-season, the golf prices are actually really fair, especially if you're into or open to or able to get some, you know, off-time uh, tea times. But uh, the views and the property out there is, seem absolutely gorgeous. I've not golfed. Um, the other thought is that uh, the, one of the things that it's known for outside of that crazy view is like these absolutely gargantuan fireplaces right before we had gone we had heard Mm -hmm. so much about the fireplaces that you know are bigger than humans and like 20 feet wide or something they're crazy and they are they're huge and then uh it's christmas uh gingerbread house thing they do a gingerbread house contest every christmas and i imagine that they decorate this place just absolutely beautifully for christmas time so we've heard go up there you know, enjoy a hot chocolate, make or watch the gingerbread houses, sit by the fireplace. Yeah, it sort of got this, and I don't know if these places are everywhere, but there's like the Christmas store, you know, like those Christmas stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's got that like kind of design and vibe. It's like just waiting for Christmas. I feel like it's, when it's not Christmas, this place is just waiting for it to be Christmas. It's got this like you know, giant stone, like the stones are, are not perfect. They're not bricks, right? It's like built with stone. It's just crazy. The place is gorgeous and, um, cannot wait for this holiday season to see what, uh, what it actually looks like. I'm sure it'll probably exceed our expectation as well. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Do we have anything else in the specialty category? No, I, I, I think we hit them all. Cool. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, I feel like that list is absolutely great. I also feel like it just scratches the surface of the places that we've come to love yes. and be excited about yeah. in town. Yeah, I mean, I think, so thinking back at the question, the question was to our podcast guests, yeah. where would you take friends that are visiting Asheville? And so I think this is a really great starting point um, to kind of just like check the boxes of what you absolutely must do. Um, that being said, there are tons of places that, we love um, mm-hmm. that are not on this list that we hope to talk about, you know, in another podcast. For sure. And so um, I, I guess in, in starting to wrap up this podcast, a couple things that we'll say about the list and how you can find it, right? Because it's one thing to hear it in your ears. It's another thing to try and actually find these places and remember what we said. A, we'll have a show notes page for this episode. We're going to call it uh, makingitinashville.com slash 016. Um, On that page, we'll have all of the places that we've referenced. And then I want to say, don't take my word for it. Check it out yourself. Uh, I want to say we'll have all of the recommendations from our guests from the season. So there's a lot more places that were recommended that we didn't name on this episode to save all of us time but they will be listed on the show notes page. And then Sarah had a very cool idea, uh, which is we've made a Google map that you can log into and access that has all of these places um, already starred, pinned with what will eventually be slightly robust uh, descriptions to tell you who recommended it, why, and what we love at all of the stops. Yeah, 
Yeah, very, very excited about that. So we'll have a link to that on the show notes page so you can save that map um, to your own Google Maps and access it. And we'll be updating it as we record future episodes and ask our um, podcast guests these questions again. So definitely subscribe to the Making It a Nashville map. Yeah, and I, beyond the, the map, I think that we... I'm really excited about the future for this podcast, for us, Sarah, and um, a lot of the projects that we're working on right now are still in their infancy. If you think that what we're doing over here has been cool or fun or interesting, I really welcome you to join our mailing list. Yes, we're going to remind you, um, not every episode, maybe every episode when podcasts come out, but really it's going to be, um, that list is going to be helpful in communicating special events and projects that we're working on with uh, some of the guests that we have on the show and some of our future guests. Yeah. Cool. And so the last thing, Sarah, would you mind asking them to like and subscribe? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do it. <laughs> no, no. no, of course. If you, um, you know, enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, review, and subscribe. The easiest way that you can do that is through iTunes. Um, all you have to do is go on there, click a few buttons. It means the world to us, but it also helps other people find our podcast and get to know what we're putting out. And just as a small milestone in the world of this podcast, we now have 10 reviews on iTunes. Yeah. And I, they're all five stars right now. My heart like gets, you know, tingly every time I look and so thank you to the 10 who have actually acted on that over 15 episodes or so. Thank you for uh, actually writing kind things. There's a couple comments that aren't from my dad, <laughs> which means the world. Um, we're really, really excited about season two. We're really excited about recapping um, in another episode or two, season one. And we thank you for being a part of it. We thank you for your support. Uh, and for making it this far in this episode specifically and listening to any of the other ones. Yeah, cool. definitely. So, uh, Sarah, that was our first recap episode of season one. High five. <laughs>